This is episode 74 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore Events podcast. We're finishing up the 2012 Annual Enrichment Conference Mission of Family on the Move. This is session five, Wednesday night. One of the things that I think is just really important for us to to understand is is that we want to be people who proclaim the gospel. Uh, we are a people who have learned this week, and, and all of us embrace it. It was just great to be reminded of it, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, we are here because of the gospel and that power, and we have seen the power of God work in our life. We have heard of the power of God working in the lives of the churches that have been up here on stage, and we know that that story could be told over and over and over again. When I was a, a little boy, when I was in junior high school, um, I, uh, I was able to attend my grandpa's funeral. Um, my brother and I, David, are incredibly privileged. We come from a long heritage of Christianity. Uh, we, we have parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who have loved Jesus Christ and who have served Jesus Christ uh, their, their lives um, in their communities. David and I had a, a grandpa who um, received a sixth-grade education, and he was a farmer. My grandpa farmed uh, in Colorado, and, and his farming was something that he was very proud of. Uh, he was um, brought out of Colorado during the time of the Dust Bowls, and he and Grandma and my dad, who was an only child, uh, came across um, the United States out of Colorado and ended up in a community called Corvallis, Oregon. And there in Corvallis, Oregon, my grandpa uh, was hired by Oregon State University to farm for the professors. So the professors would want to study some kind of a crop in some kind of a formation, and so they would give specs to my grandpa. And my grandpa would go out and he would prepare the farm the way that the professors had determined that they wanted the farm to be set and then uh, they would come at different times and they would uh, examine the, uh, the crop that was uh, being produced and um, they would study their results. And uh, many times my grandpa would say things about professors and some of the things that they were testing. Um, uh, you know, burying seed 10 feet deep probably won't work. Uh, you know, simple things that a common farmer might understand. But my grandpa was also amazed at when they would try something that would yield a crop that was incredible. And he would say things like, you know, some of those PhDs are pretty smart. My grandpa was German, and uh, he spoke German, and he sang in German, and uh, he would play his button accordion in his chair and would sing songs in German. And as a little boy, I uh, loved to go to my grandpa's house, and he had a grape arbor and a, a wood apple crate that uh, he gave to us, and we built a cart out of that apple crate. And we would run that cart around the yard as little boys in my grandpa's backyard. And one day I was pushing that cart as fast as I possibly could. And I came around the corner of our house, 
or my grandpa's house, and I squared him up in both shins as hard as I could go with that apple cart and cut both of his shins all the way through his union overalls to the bone. As the blood came out on his overalls, he hobbled into his chair, and, and uh, my grandma made her way there to, to mend my grandpa's shins. As I came into the house, very sheepish and very uh, sad that I had hurt my grandpa and wondering what my relationship with my grandpa would be, I looked around the corner at my grandpa sitting in the chair and grandma kneeling over his legs with the gauze and uh, whatever concoction that grandma would work up that particular uh, time in her uh, unique medical way. Um, I saw my grandpa and he saw me. We were eyeball to eyeball as I peeked around the corner and he did one of these. And I just knew I was dead. I just knew this is, this is the end of my life, that the worst thing that could happen is about to happen. And he brought me over, and, and my grandpa was a strong man, and he grabbed me by my collar and my shirt, my front, and he picked me up, and he sat me on his lap. And he looked at me, and he said in his kind of broken, uh, loving way, did you mean it? I said, no, Grandpa, I didn't, I didn't mean to, to run into you. He says, okay. He says, I want you to know it hurt. I said, I, I know it hurt, Grandpa. He said, um, I got an idea. I said, what's that, Grandpa? He says, when we get to heaven, let's ask God why he did this because I don't have a clue he says do you I said no I said this was God's fault he says well we'll find out when we get to heaven won't we then my grandpa reached over and he got his very worn Bible that he read. And he turned to the Proverbs chapter five or chapter three. And there he got his life verse, Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. And I sat in that uh, funeral home and my dad got up at my grandpa's casket and my dad said he wanted to share a few things about his dad. And my dad said that my, his dad, my grandpa's life verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And my dad quoted the verse. And my dad said um, that that was his life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Because um, I'm an, just an incredibly um, much more intelligent person than my, my grandpa and my dad, I, I was going to find a better verse. And so I, I studied as a junior higher in a high school looking for a better verse. And 
I would look at this verse and compare it to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I would look at this verse and I'd compare it to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And one day, I, when I was in high school, I walked into my parents' bedroom and I said, I just want you to know, Dad, I finally found my life verse. And he said, well, what is that? And I said, well, it's Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6. And my dad's comment was very simple. You're not as smart as you think you are, are you? I said, I don't know. We'll have to ask God when we get to heaven. Last Sunday, um, I had the privilege of doing a baby dedication in our church. And I met with this young couple. and The young man and the young woman in their living room talked about their desire to find a life verse for their little boy that we were going to dedicate. And the father said, you know, I'm having a difficult time trying to find the right verse for my boy. So I shared that story with them and I said, I just want you to know if you ever want to use that one for your, your boy's life verse, you're, you're more than welcome. It was passed on to me. So this last Sunday, um, the father got up in the baby dedication and he shared that life verse for his little boy. You know, folks, um, I really don't know and never have known what God wants to do with us. I just know he wants to do something. And I also know that um, we really have no excuses. for keeping him from being able to do what he wants to do with us. I, I run into lots of issues in your churches. There are very few churches in the Northwest any longer that I haven't had some connection with because of some issue. We've got to get beyond that stuff. We, we've got to lift our eyes. And we've got to see the hills. Uh, there's no reason, none, why thousands of people can't come to Jesus Christ because of our churches. There is no reason why we can't be planting churches over and over and over again. I know of no good reason when I look at what God has given to us as the family of churches in covenant community. I really believe our only barrier is just us.
when we get to heaven, we'll have to ask God, why did you do this? But um, until that day, let's, let's trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Let's lean not into our own understanding, our own stuff, whatever that is for you and your church. In all of our ways, let's acknowledge him. Let's get God right in our thinking so that he can direct our path. And let's just see where he might take us in the year to come and in the years until he tarries. Amen? Lord Jesus, some men are going to come in just a moment and we're going to break bread and um, they're going to lead us in the word around your table and they're going to they're going to feed our souls and you're going to feed our soul with the bread and the cup. But God, um, I just, before we go there, in remembrance of you, I just want to stop and ask you, would you help us to see what you see so that we can do what you want us to do? And then would you give us the courage to engage in that activity until you tell us to stop. And we'll give you praise. It's in your son's name and in his finished work on the cross that I pray. Amen. Fast uh, Pastor Brian and Pastor Bard to come. There, um, Brian is pastoring in Lincoln City, and asked them to come and uh, usher us, invite us to the table. And so, if you two men would come and do that, we look forward to our our time together. Well, I'll speak for Pastor Bard uh, and just say that it's a great honor for us to to serve you in these next couple of moments. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Brian Robbins. I get to serve at Faith Baptist Church in Lincoln City. And for those of you who don't know Pastor Bard Marshall, um, welcome to CB Northwest. You must be new. Um, Pastor Bard is a, is a little bit of a legend. And so in uh, August of 2005, when I came uh, from Colorado, where I'd been serving in a college ministry, and I was invited into this unique arrangement where I would serve as the associate pastor and then be mentored into the role of lead pastor, I said yes, because I didn't know what I was signing up for. I didn't know that if all went according to plan, I would be supervising a legend. Um, that's the unique position I find myself in now, and uh, that's, I think, why we've been asked to be up here today, because uh, God has blessed and done some amazing things through, through our working relationship, and, and I want to um, read something for you that might not seem relevant either to that or to communion, but I'll explain why it is. Um, in Revelation chapter, 20, chapter 7, Verse 9, um, John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
Um, I want you to think about that picture. Uh, it is what uh, Christ purchased in his death, which we are about to celebrate together. Um, and I want you to notice that one of the things that distinguishes these people is that they came from every language. Uh, we have heard this week that there are a number of different forms that a language barrier can take. Not only the obvious uh, language barrier that it can exist between races and ethnicities, but uh, the language barrier that can exist between people who even live in the same community. Uh, people who, uh, if one person is from a drug culture, the other person might not understand that language. Uh, a number of different forms that that can take. And so when I came to Lincoln City from Colorado, having worked with college students, and I was introduced to my mentor, um, and he doesn't like it when I put it this way, but uh, who uh, is uh, older, from, older than me by about four decades or so. Um, or so. Or so. There, uh, I'm younger than his kids, and I've, that's been pointed out to me often. Um, uh, there was a little bit of a language barrier. I'd been working with college students in a, in a um, suburban setting, and I honestly had forgotten about this thing called the King James Bible. And I kind of said, oh, yeah, I remember that from when I was a kid. That's still around? And he didn't think that was funny at all. Um, nor did a number of other people in our church. Um, and so there were those kind of uh, language barriers. There was musical preference and all those kind of things. Um, as we began to surf together, though, and as we moved toward that time of transition, which then took place in, uh, in August of 08, what we got to discover together is that we sing in the same choir uh, as followers of Christ. One of the things that uh, is new to me in looking at this passage is they came from every language, but then it says in verse 10, they cried out in a loud voice. Apparently, together, and apparently in the same language. So whatever divisions had distinguished them in their various tribes when they were called out, um, by the time this group finds themselves together praising God, they call with a single voice, in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. And what we've gotten to discover is um, we sing in the same choir. We exalt the same Lord. Uh, yesterday, I, I found myself singing uh, in one of our worship times next to Roy Libby. And he's got a nice voice, by the way. You should stand next to Roy at some point if you could. And he's singing a little harmony, um, a little tenor harmony there. And we, we kind of, we sounded good together. Um, and Roy is another person, you know, with whom you might say I have a little bit of a language barrier in terms of our backgrounds and our ages and that kind of thing. But uh, we were singing, Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. Um, he's Roy's father. He's my father. We sing in the same choir. Uh, if I can uh, paraphrase some of the words of Ephesians 2, um, he's made one new man out of the two. He has reconciled them both to himself through the cross. He has brought down the dividing wall, any hostility that might have existed, and he's brought peace. Let me read uh, one more passage to you. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17, it says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving be united by Him? One of the really neat things that's happened in, uh, in our ministry in the time that I've been there now for nearly seven years is that I'm not even the youngest guy on our staff anymore. It's great. Um, uh, so last Sunday... Uh, pastor Luke, our youth pastor, brought the message. He preached the word. And Pastor Bard um, led uh, the congregation to the communion table. He led our time of communion. 
the message that we're sending to the church when we have a 31-year-old preach the word and someone a little bit older than that um, lead us to the table is we are saying there's one loaf. There is one body. We all partake. We all participate. Um, And it's the broken body of Jesus Christ. It's the shed blood of Jesus Christ uh, that reminds us one loaf. We all sing in the same choir. It is because of Him. Um, That's what we want to acknowledge uh, tonight as we conclude this week, as we conclude our time together. Uh, It is Him. It is Jesus Christ. Um, He is the one that has redeemed each of us. He is our Father. I can stand next to anyone who knows Jesus from China, as we heard this morning. I can stand next to anyone of any age, from a rural church, an urban church, and I can say, um, He's my Father. And they can say, well, He's my Father too. Um, And there's only one body. So we're going to celebrate that in a moment, but first Pastor Bart's going to share a couple of words with us. Amen, brother. Come here. <laughs> this, is, this is just like old times. I get the last word again. <laughs> amen. Those were good days. But amen. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, what a, what a blessing to work with um, Pastor Brian. And uh, before the congregation, I endeavored to call him that all the time. And uh, he uh, very uh, graciously still calls me pastor all the time, even when we are just interacting. He's a, a wonderful, humble man of God that God is using in a wonderful way. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I love him. He's a great, great young man. And Dave said he, thank you for sending him to me. And Dave, we were looking for somebody that uh, to come, and Dave said, I may just have just the man. And he was just the man. And uh, so when I walk around now, what I do is I shake hands and smile. And every once in a while I get a deacon and I do that to him. I said, this costs you 250 Because that's all I do is walk around and new people come in and I shake their hand and they look at me and I say, well, I'm on the staff here. I'm the associate pastor. And they sort of look at me and I tell them that, uh, you know, I've been promised if I do a real good job, I'll get a church of my own someday. <laughs> Well, I didn't feel so bad until one of our young men, we were in a seminar today, and he said, uh, or someplace, I don't know where we were, but uh, I can't remember. What's your name? All right. Anyhow, it wasn't him. It was somebody else. He said, uh, he said, uh, how long have you been out of seminary? 35 years? I said, 35 years. And I began to think about it. He said, he raised it, and he said, been 40 years? I've been out of seminary 53 years. Amen? Of course, they graduated me when I was seven because I'm into... Now, to the original Bible. I, I have... I have become rather liberal. I'm old age. I now use King James Jr. Where is it? 
The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. We have partaken of the bread by relationship with Jesus Christ. You have, I have. And that brings us, as Pastor Brian said, into the family of God. And we are one with him, and therefore we are one with one another. And in the light of that, I want to thank you, Mark. Hey, I can't even see you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Ah, oh, I see. All right. Now, Brother Mark, thank you for giving leadership to our association for these last 12 years. Do you appreciate what he's done? Thank you, Mark. Love you, brother. Appreciate each one of you who shared this week. This is one of the richest conferences, and, and I've this is actually 51 CB conferences I have been to either in the state level or to the Northwest Association. The only year I missed was the year I had cancer, and uh, all the other years I've come to this association meeting. So 51 of them. And it's one of the richest because we heard from the churches and from you individuals what God is doing, and it has blessed my heart richly. I want to thank you, and I want to thank absolutely every one of those who participated. Do you appreciate what you heard this week in the seminar? And all of this has been absolutely wonderful. You know, I don't read all the magazines anymore. You know, you got all these magazines going on. So I. I read the funny papers, and I read the Bible, I read the Bible every day, and get something from my own heart and life. And I sometimes read that great evangelical magazine called the Smithsonian. I can tell it's really a popular magazine. <laughs> this last issue. Uh, just had a little article by a guy who got his PhD by studying the bees. How can you imagine? I, if I had known I was going to do this, I'd had his name and the college he graduated, one of the Ivy League schools and so on. And he marked these bees with little colored dots. I don't know how he did this. He must have shot them with a tranquilizer first and then, you know. But anyhow, he, he put little paint on the back of them, the yellow and red and blue and green, and then he put a number on the paint, and then he would uh, send them off and tell where they'd go and so on. And he found out two things. The bee who got the other workers to go with him, or her, they're all hers, to a field, all right? was the one that came back and did the dance with the most enthusiasm. That's right. If a bee came back and went through, you know, where the field is and how far it is, they, they do a dance. 
But the one that came back, it just went. The other beat, and away they go. Enthusiasm. And some of you Greek scholars and all the rest of it, you know uh, uh, what they told us 75 years ago when I was in seminary? It means in God. In God. So don't be hesitant to be enthusiastic about Jesus. And you know what these workers do? These women workers. Anyhow. <laughs> they go out and get nectar. And God appointed that nectar in the flowers. And it isn't much at all. But they bring it back to the hive. And somehow it turns into honey. And you know what? You and I are to go out with enthusiasm and to reach those who are in our field and bring them into the hive of the church of Jesus Christ and give them the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do its work. And somehow those raunchy lives turn into honey. Just like he did with me and with you. The second thing they told us in that article, this PhD, with all of his intelligence, he said those honeybees have to be flexible. It was talking about the hives and it was talking about the fields and when it do. Did you know that there is poison oak honey? I didn't know that. But bees that gather the pollen from poison oak and make poison oak honey, I'll bet you there's some stinging tongues. <laughs> it's interesting. They must be flexible, he said. Two things, enthusiasm and flexibility. And I heard a great deal of flexibility this week. And you know, we are not flexible in relation to doctrine. And Royce pointed out to us, don't drift from the gospel. And we have an identity document that we have gathered around as a body of Christ. And we start from that identity document to proclaim the gospel with a clear declaration of what we believe. We heard do justice, show mercy, and proclaim the gospel. And the flexibility then comes not in the message, but in the method and the style. We heard Rick McKinley, Rick Harple, Wayne Pickens talk of various things that are taking place with the diversity and flexibility. From the inner city, if you please, to Cowtown. Michael Lawrence with a historical church to Levi and the newly formed John Day Church, each one doing its ministry. Bless my heart and I know it did yours. 
flexibility we found in being available. D. Duke gave his testimony, he just did what God asked him to do. And look how his ministry has affected not only this Northwest and the churches that have been started, but across this nation and around the world. Ben Brown shared with, I'm just available to do what God want me to do. And he was distributing Bibles throughout the entire land of China to millions of people sharing the gospel. Flexibility. We need that. We heard about smoking decks and churches starting next to tattoo parlors. But we also have little towns where the steeple reaches to the sky. And the message is Jesus Christ being preached. Keep it up. Ministry in the metropolitan area in the small towns. We need to go out and get the nectar. Bring it into the hive. And let the word of God and the Holy Spirit do the work. To change them into the image of Christ. And I want to tell you, that's honey. That's honey in the hive. And we're all in the same work together. We're all in the same family. We all partake together. And so when we take these elements tonight, the communion, I think we have communion table over here and here. Where else? Right here? Three of them? Is that what we have? Three tables? You can come as God leads you. Participate in this communion. Remember you're one with Christ. One one another because of the gospel that somebody brought to us and brought us into the church. And the Holy Spirit did his wonderful work in us and changed us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for the messages that we heard this week about the cross and the impact it has had in the lives, in his having in the lives of people. There are many stories that could be told yet, but I pray that the Spirit of God would just grip our hearts in relation to our oneness. As Mark shared about his family, we realize in the Church of Jesus Christ that some of us have run into others and really scarred up their shins and their family. And I pray that if we've been those that have been hitting the shins, we might reach out like Mark's grandpa reached out and draw them into our lap and reassure them of the love. First love to you and love for them. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.